here we go, Katan. So a year ago, I became a parent for the first time. Mm. It was a surreal experience because it was a few days after the United Kingdom went into its first lockdown. So as a result, I was only allowed to be in the ward with my wife for one hour before partners were basically told to get out of the hospital to ensure a safe environment for mothers and their children. Now in that one hour, I had the opportunity to hold this child of mine in my arms, to see her face crying at me. And it reminded me of something incredibly powerful that we forget too quickly. And that is, you are a miracle. We are a miracle. The fact that we are alive, the fact that we have been born into this world is literally a miracle. I was holding this miracle in my hands. You know, there was a talk I heard a few years ago that said the odds of us being born is one in over 400 trillion. Think about that for a moment, one in over 400 trillion. There are people in this country, in the world, who wish they would win the lottery one day, the jackpot, their national or regional lottery. But what we forget is we have already won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life. Now, the question I want to leave you with is what are you going to do with that winning ticket? Welcome to the Business Distillery. My name is Ket McQuana, entrepreneur, business expert, and all-round disruptor. Each week, we bring to you an inspiring and insightful guest or message to help you unlock your business potential. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's get into this session. In the epic book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, there is a quote, you are the master of your destiny. You can influence, direct and control your own environment. You can make your life what you want it to be. Albert Einstein said, everything is energy and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want and you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy, this is physics. My guest on this episode is Simon Alexander Ong. Everything that Simon does is built to inspire people to see their world differently and for them to ignite their imagination of what truly is possible so they can live a better story. Simon is an award-winning coach, keynote speaker and entrepreneur. Simon's been interviewed by Sky News, BBC and Forbes. He has spoken at some of the planet's most successful organizations, and these have included the likes of Virgin, Salesforce, and Microsoft. In this episode, Simon and I get into it. Energy is everything. Have a listen and let us know what you think. So Simon, welcome to the Business Distillery. Hello, Katan, and thank you for having me on your show. Oh, it, look, Simon, I'm absolutely grateful. I've, you know, I know we've only just recently connected, and uh, we've been kind of ships in the night on a number of uh, number of occasions. I think over the last couple of years, but it's, you know, you came on onto my radar about a year ago, and you know, last year we were doing the Startup Scale Up Summit, and that's where we really connected. And I'll be honest with you, Simon, this is a this is a time I really thought, hmm, who is this guy? And let me go and find out some more about him. And when I saw the kind of things you're doing and 
you've done and i was like oh, I, I i've got to get this guy on the show so thank you for for, for coming on and I'm incredibly grateful that you're spending not just time with me today but our, our, our listeners and there are so many different things that I want to get stuck into um, you know in terms of business life uh, personal growth all these kind of, kind of different areas but before we really get into the, the thick of it I think it's it's only fair that our, our listeners really get to learn a little bit more about you who are you how how have you got to where you are? What's your kind of backstory and journey? Would you mind sharing a little bit of that with us? Sure, Katan. So I was born here in the United Kingdom to Malaysian parents uh, who had emigrated uh, <laughs> from a city called Penang and a city called Sarawak on the Borneo Island. I was stereotypically Chinese. Now, what I mean by that is I was hardworking, I was shy, I was an introvert. And life for me was very linear, Ketan. You know, uh, it was go to school, get good grades, get to another good school, get good grades, get to a good university, yeah. get a well-paying job, start a family. And I'm sure many of those listening can relate to that. Mm. Uh, and that is exactly what I did. I remember before I started university, my dad said to me, Simon, You'll be successful when you graduate being a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, or mm. an accountant. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had a very narrow definition of success. Mm. And life was very linear up to, two, uh, up to 2008, actually. And there were three incidents uh, that happened that started to add volatility into my life. Okay. The first was when I was 19 years old. Unfortunately, my mother passed away when I was 19. She uh, didn't make it to her 50th birthday. Uh, and she slipped into a coma following an accident. And I remember I was pulled out of school. Uh, my dad drove uh, myself, and my brother to hospital. And we spent days there, not sure whether she was going to make it out of the coma. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't. And before I started university, I had already lost uh, a very close parent. Mm. I started university at the London School of Economics. And in my second year, I failed that year. I, I now joke that it wasn't the Chinese version of failure, i.e. anything less than 90% you failed, uh, but it was a outright failure. I had to repeat that year. Mm. So a three-year degree became a four-year degree. Mm. That's the second thing that happened. The third was once I graduated, I decided to begin my career in the financial services industry. Now, keep this in mind. I graduated in 2007. So this was a year before the global financial crisis took hold of the planet's economies. Mm. And so that was something I wasn't aware of when I first started, especially when that first company I decided to join was Lehman Brothers, uh, which went bankrupt <laughs> on that fateful Monday morning in September 08. Mm. So that's what I mean by my career started off with a lot of volatility. And even when I finished off at Lehman Brothers, I was in and out of jobs for the best part of nearly a decade. And it wasn't until I was jobless for nearly a year that I had this opportunity to slow down. Mm. At the time, I'm not gonna lie, Ketan, it was painful you mm. know, to see your only source of income drain day by day, week by week, with no mm. source of money coming in. However, when I look back now, it was an absolute blessing in disguise. For the first time, I had this rare opportunity to ask myself, what did fulfillment look like? And mm -hmm. what sort of impact did I want to have in the world? 
These are important questions. You know, I never asked myself these questions because as I shared, I was following a very linear path mm. set out by my parents, set up by society. Mm. But now I had this chance to slow down and reflect on those questions. Once I started to discover what those answers were, the challenge for me was to then have the wisdom and courage to build my life around those. Mm. It's not easy. It's not easy. You know, something I often say to my clients and to audiences that I'm privileged to speak to is that the longest journey we as humans will take are the inches from our head to our heart. It's not an easy journey. Yeah. It's not an easy journey. But if we embark on it, mm -hmm. we will experience the greatest adventure there is. Because after all, we have only one life. And so when I started to embark on this journey, I tried a number of businesses. Uh, I started a food tech business. I started in the MLM industry, but none of it worked out. And the reason it didn't was because it didn't light a fire in me. Mm. And then I came across the world of coaching. I attended a seminar that was free for a weekend here in London mm. to expose myself to what coaching could do. Mm. And that was the catalyst to what I now do today. I started dipping my feet in the water. I started coaching people privately. And from there, I was invited to speak. At first, it was just marketing. You mm. know, I would speak to let people know what I was doing. Yeah. And hopefully, if I was lucky, they would then inquire to say, Simon, I would love for you to be my coach. Right. As the years evolved, that speaking has now become a revenue generator and has led to some incredible opportunities, which I'm sure we'll be able to speak about in this session, mm. such as landing a book deal. Yeah. So that's kind of the journey in a nutshell, and I'm sure we can unpackage more of that throughout this session. Incredible. Uh, actually, do you know the, 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 the irony of, of this is your journey is very, very similar to mine. Um, um, okay, I, I haven't lost a parent, and 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 that can be quite traumatic, and it can have a it can have a severe impact in in the way that we see things, um, the way we feel. You you kind of outlined, you know, the ripple of effect that had with your second year that you you know within university, etc. Uh, I myself was a victim to the res uh, the economic crash in two thousand and eight. Uh, same same sort of time as you. I left corporate, um, was made redundant, and I had to, because of necessity, look at self-employment. Um, so business and uh, entrepreneurship, it wasn't something that was on my radar. Uh, I come from an Asian background, uh, you know, African, uh, Asian-African descent that came to the country, migrated here in the 70s. Um, my, you know, my parents are from Indian heritage. Um, they think you're going to become a nuclear physicist, astronaut, or whatever it is. Uh, I went to university to become a car designer. And after the first year and asking the professor primarily, have you ever designed a car and getting the answer? No, I left university. So, you know, it's this, this you've got to balance expectation of what's been shaped for you to, to also, like you said, have that bravery and that courage to be able to step out uh, into this kind of new unknown that that that's an interesting place to sort of start where we're going to start unpacking all of this kind of stuff you you kind of stepped into uh, coaching you've you've kind of you start to build up this whole public speaking and you're using it as a vehicle as marketing 
do you feel that um, as you continued to um, present or speak, that that was becoming more the center of your service as opposed to the coaching itself? So telling your stories, in being able to um, radiate expert expertise rather than showing uh, putting your hand up you know in a, in a noisy room and saying I'm a coach come and buy my service how do you feel uh, how do you feel um, that you know speaking and keynoting has has really impact and influenced your business and the way you serve today sure it's a great question Kat and, and you're right uh, when I first started the majority of my revenue uh, was coaching uh, that, that was what I started off doing. And if you ask me at that point whether I would see speaking becoming a key uh, revenue generator, I would have said no. Mm. Uh, it wasn't in my plans. Mm. Uh, but one of the things we, uh, we, we understand as we move forward is that clarity can only come from taking action. Yes. If I didn't start the coaching, that wouldn't have led to the speaking. Yeah. Uh, and because I started to speak, I realized I actually enjoyed this. Mm. Uh, you know, many people... Uh, fear speaking in public there's a fear called glossophobia uh, which is the fear of public speaking and that fear is usually ranked higher than mm. the fear of death or even the fear of being the only one you know in a big room of people mm. or strangers mm. uh, where you know no one mm. and and so i had this i don't know what you want to call it gift or uh, strength where if someone said to me simon can you go up on stage and deliver a 90 minute presentation i'll be like yes let's do it uh, I didn't have that fear of, uh, of rejecting the opportunity to be on stage. And what I found that there's a couple of things that I've learned during that journey to building that into uh, a revenue generator. The first thing is, it's a bit cliche, but the more you speak, the more you speak. Mm. Uh, and it's so true because you never know who is in the audience mm. when you share your wisdom, when you share your story, when you mm. share your insights. Yeah. I remember I was doing a talk a couple of years ago at Twickenham Stadium uh, with the England rugby team, uh, the England women's rugby team. And it was an event sponsored by O2 uh, because they're the major sponsors of English rugby. Mm -hmm. And after I delivered my talk and we went for a break, there were two individuals that came up to me. And they said, Simon, I loved your energy. I loved what you had to share. We actually represent the Peter Jones Foundation. So Peter Jones being one of the, uh, I guess, investors on Dragon's Den, which is the UK's version of Shark Tank. Yeah. And they said to me, Peter Jones holds an annual event uh, called Entfest. Yeah. And we would like to start a relationship to get you down to deliver uh, a keynote or motivational talk. Amazing. And that happens simply by showing up on stage and just giving value to the audience with no expectation of anything in return. That's so that's one powerful thing I've learned is the more you speak, the more you speak, because you have no idea literally who's in the audience. Mm. And especially now, given we're all virtual, yep. you're able to touch more people at scale yep. than ever before. Yeah. So that's the first thing I learned. Second is if you want to move closer to some of your goals, mm -hmm. speaking is going to be one of your strongest skills that you must develop when warren buffett shared an interview he talked about uh one certificate that he has hanging up in his office mm. and that is the dale carnegie institute of public speaking certificate that he achieved once he enrolled uh, to do that course and he said that is one of the most important skills i have ever mm. developed the reason is is when you speak about topics 
uh, or ideas that you are passionate about, you are able to transfer a certain energy to the audience that will move them to action. Mm. A great example of this uh, is one of the one of the first talks I came across, which inspired me to be a better public speaker, was Brian Stevenson's talk at the TED 2012 conference called We Need to Talk About an Injustice. Mm. And unlike many people who listen to talks for the content, I was listening for the mechanics. Right. How did he start? How did he end? How did he bring people along that journey? Yeah. And I noticed he shared three stories. That was it, three stories across 18 minutes. But by the end, the entire audience contributed a combined $1 million into his nonprofit. Amazing. Now, for the math minds amongst us, that averages over $50,000 a minute that he spoke. I'm pretty sure you will agree, a handsome return on investment. 100%. 100%. But <laughs> so that's the second thing I learned. And the final, the third and final thing I've learned from uh, turning speaking into a revenue generator is that it is... It is one of the most powerful ways to build your personal brand mm. uh, because you impact people, whether it's a sentence, whether it's an idea, mm. it's the easiest way to move people towards their own dreams, towards mm. achieving their own goals. Whereas with coaching, yes, coaching is still powerful, but you're only impacting one person at a time. Whereas speaking, you're able to touch more people's lives yeah. in that same one hour that you are having with them and um to add when you know in the world that we live with digital and um technology you know it's documented it's there it's etched which means that it has um it's uh, it's almost immortal in in terms of its existence it's not one of those kind of things that you have with club like clubhouse for example which is you know there for 30 minutes and you know if you weren't there you've missed out but it's kind of a situation where what you what you're saying here also um is uh, is by speaking uh, you know when you speak like you say you know when you speak more you speak more and you speak out you speak out but you're also having a conversation with yourself uh, i think you're also presenting to yourself it's almost like um the articulation the energy the communication it's quite magical right totally. so um i read somewhere that you learn how to do magic, that you're a magician. Am I right? Is that is that true? Definitely. I, I mean, you, you learn a lot more about this uh, with me, Kat. And my mind is, I, I love understanding how things work. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> a lot of that these days is around business. Yeah. Uh, but when I was a teenager, I remember watching, it was on Channel 4 yeah. uh, here in the UK. And there were two shows that the magician David Blaine uh, was appearing on. Okay. So I was curious. Everyone at school was talking about it. So I went home and my brother and I decided to record these two shows onto back then it was VHS. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The cassette that we recorded it onto. And we watched the two shows and we were stumped. We were like, these close up magic tricks are incredible. If only we could also do them. Mm. And so what we did is in the following few weeks, we watched rewound, watched again, rewound, watched again, <laughs> in order to understand how he did the tricks. Now, we didn't crack every trick. Uh, we, we didn't have the mental capacity to understand how he did it all. But mm. we were able to crack a fair few mm. of the tricks simply by looking at the things that the magician doesn't really want you to see, because yeah. it's all about the art of distraction. Yeah. And so once we understood how to do these tricks, I remember my brother and I went back to school, uh, we invested in some uh, 
decks of cards, yeah. uh, some props, if you will. And off we went to uh, do magic tricks to our friends and teachers at school. And I remember going up to my chemistry teacher at the time and I said to him, sir, can you just take my pulse for a moment on my left hand? And so he started to take my pulse and I said, I don't know if you can help me with this, but what happens is when I start to slow my voice down to a stop, my pulse just disappears. Mm. And he was feeling it. And suddenly when the pulse disappeared, his reaction was priceless. <laughs> this white pony charge. Oh my God, what has he done? He's, he's faking his death. Feeling himself there. And, and I said, just touch my hand again where the pulse was. And suddenly it came back jumping. And he was shocked. Now, when I look back, I don't do close-up magic anymore. I still know how to do some of the tricks, but yeah. like with anything, you need the practice. You need to be consistent with the practice. Mm. But it taught me a lot of things that has helped me become what I am today. Mm. Namely, it was confidence. Because when you perform a magic trick in front of someone, for me, that's more raw than speaking in front of a crowd of thousands of people because you are in that physical space between you and the person you're performing the trick. And yeah. often if the trick goes well, suddenly you've got a crowd around you. Mm. So, so, so yeah, you, you don't have much physical space to move around. Everyone wants to see how the trick is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that taught me a lot about confidence, but also storytelling, which is an important skill if we want to communicate better, yeah. whether that's in business or our personal life. Mm. Because let's be honest, once you know how a magic trick is done, it's, it's very easy. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, it's just a couple of steps, but it's all the window dressing that goes on around it yeah. that creates the impact. So it's how do you tell the story? How do you distract them? And how do you finish the trick? So I learned a lot from that experience of, uh, of doing magic for a few years while I was a teenager. Uh, and in my early presentations, actually, Ketan, when I started doing training for companies and yeah, yeah, yeah. speaking at events to the public, I actually incorporated some magic tricks uh, into my presentations to highlight certain things that i wanted to get across to the audience that's brilliant i do you know what? i love that and you know part of my question to you was going to be what is it about magic that has really helped you in the work that you do and i think you've answered that beautifully already in this but i the bit that i pick up on right now is that story the story bit that you're saying you know the as much as there is an illusion and a trick going on it's the storytelling that you're doing that's the distraction it's how you immerse people into that story mm. the other side of it which is interesting is you say it's about confidence and about i think magic also within itself just like speaking and just like coaching uh, any of the things that you actually do is a transfer of energy um, there is a particular type of energy transfer that you're doing. There is also uh, picking up and receiving particular energy. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a magician by any way, shape or form, but you could correct me if I'm wrong, but you feed off your audience as much as um, the, the audience is feeding off what you're doing. So bringing magic into your into your professional uh, speaking uh, that you're doing in companies is great because the art of illusion tells the story, allows you to exaggerate a point, but it also creates something so memorable that someone's going to, even if they didn't listen to 80% of what you were saying, they will still leave with the most important thing, which is within that 20% of that ma magic message that you've done. So look, 
when we connected uh, about doing this podcast um, and, you know, uh, all that chasing around I had to do because you're such a busy guy and, you know, I had to wait until you'd get back. You know, are you going to reach me, reach me? No, I'm joking. No, seriously, you, you came back very quickly. Um, there was one thing I said, you know, I said to you, I go, what should we talk about? And you, you said this one statement to me and that statement's really profound. It was a, had a real profound impact on me. You said, let's talk about the energy in everything. Mm. And I was, I'm like, look, I've got to prepare for this show. I've got to do some research. I've got to research the, the topic and this and that. And I'm like, the first thing I was like, how, the, how am I going to research this? You know, are we talking about electrical energy? Are we talking about this energy? Are we talking about this energy? And then I thought, do you know what? Forget it. Best thing to do is ask the man himself. So the energy in everything, talk to us about this. I'm fascinated to learn from you on your philosophy and the psychology to this statement. Sure. So the statement, again, for those listening, is energy is everything. And it is. But before I dive more into it, I just want to lay out some foundations so you understand where I'm coming from. Energy is everywhere. It is in places, things, people, activities. If you walk into certain places that you visited in the past, there'll be, I don't know, hotels, homes, places of interest that give you energy and places that just drain you of energy. Now, energy is a language that has no words, but you can still feel it and you can still hear it. I remember a a line in Star Wars that was talking about the force that is pervasive across the entire universe and through all living beings. And this is what I'm referring to. You know, imagine you're going to a networking event and two people come up to you. One, not really sure of him or herself, mm-hmm. shoulders down, looks like very low in energy, whereas the second person, pretty sure of him or herself, smiling to people, engaging, introducing him or herself. Which one are you more attracted to start a conversation with? Mm-hmm. Again, it illustrates the point I'm trying to make here. Energy introduces you before you even speak. It is a language, no words, but we can listen and we can feel it. Now, my association to this statement, energy is everything, goes back to my journey. Mm. You know, I was lost. I was directionless. I didn't know what I wanted to do in life when I was out for those 10 months, uh, when I was trying my hands at different things in business. Mm. But I realized that I had to take responsibility for where I was and where I was going. If I wanted to change, as the saying goes, I had to be that change. Mm -hmm. And so once I started to understand what my purpose was, and you don't wake up one morning and go, Eureka, I know exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) It happens for a series of events or a series of insights catalyzed by our curiosities. But here's the beautiful thing about embarking on this journey. Once you begin to understand what your gifts are, Mm -hmm. what you are put here on earth to do, what your legacy can be, you begin to unlock the greatest source of energy that is available. It's the sort of energy that wakes you up in the morning, gets you excited Mm -hmm. to the smell of possibility. It's what moves you from limitation to possibility, from lack of resources to resourcefulness, Mm -hmm. and from fear to hope. 
And when I started unlocking that source of energy, the next step for me, Ketan, was to understand, well, how do I now channel that? Yeah. You know, we can easily get lots of energy, just go to the gym, go for a run, get sufficient rest. Yes. The next question is, well, what do I do with all this energy? Yes. And that's what I had to understand over the years uh, in being an entrepreneur. How do I direct this energy? Simply mm. put, what I did is I sat down and I reflected. Why was I feeling low on energy in some experiences and high in energy in others? Mm. And what I found is that the times that I felt lowest on energy were the times when I dwelled on the things that I couldn't control. Whereas when I felt high on energy, I was so focused on being in the moment, focused on the very things that I could control. Mm. Which brings me nicely to this statement. When you focus on what you can't control, you are going to feel drained of energy. You are going to be paralyzed from overthinking. Mm. But when you focus on what you can control, guess what? You're going to feel energized. You are going to feel empowered to take action. And this is what happens. Once you start taking action, you create momentum. Hmm. And then energy begets more energy. Once you start moving, your mind starts thinking, well, what else is possible? Hmm. And that generates even more energy. So that's where that part led to. Now, as I built my business, as many people will know, if they built their business to a certain scale, hmm. we burn out at some point. We can't do everything. So that's when the next part came uh, into me in terms of my reflections was, well, now I'm directing my energy into beautiful spaces. I've now got to take care of my energy. I've got to protect that energy because mm. I don't want energy leaks to happen. I don't want to be like that boat with all the holes everywhere sinking yeah. in the middle of the ocean. I want to guard and protect my boat so I can keep moving forward, not to be drowned by everything outside me. Mm. So what I realized is I had to make time to slow down in order to speed up. Mm. In essence, I had to recharge myself as often as we do our smartphones and devices. Mm. Because how can you operate at your best when your battery is near 0%? Mm. And so my daily routine shifted from being always on and always trying to think about business related stuff mm. to actually discovering what my energetic rhythm was between deep work and intentional rest. So this is where the philosophy of energies, everything came about uh, because I went for a period in which I felt drained, directionless, lacking of energy, even to do the simplest of things that I knew could help move me forward to then having high levels of energy every single day to the point when I finished speaking, sometimes in a one day speaking event, people saying, <laughs> Simon, I have no idea how much energy you had to last the entire day without <laughs> very little break. Even in the breaks we had, yeah. you had no break because we were coming up on stage to ask you questions. Yeah, yeah. I've been there and done that as well. I've, I've had those experiences. Um, it's a little bit like what Stephen Covney talks about in the fact that, to, you know, we shouldn't um, prior, uh, prioritize our schedule. We should schedule our priorities. And the fact that, you know, and Ray Dalio talks about, you know, the principles of saying no to things particular i think as uh not just as entrepreneurs but as business professionals we also and especially when you work in this kind of personal growth and mindset uh arena it's very easy for us to sort of fall um fall victim to saying yes to everything and wanting we want to make as much impact you talked about it earlier about 
what you learn about speaking is that uh, coaching maybe is a one-to-one activity whereas speaking can enable you to impact uh, sorry scale the impact that you make Um, and through that kind of pursuit of creating scalability in your impact and the legacy it's very easy to fall in that trap of saying yes to everything Um, then the old adage comes of you know put on your own mask before um, helping others um the and then there's the the sayings about half full and half um half empty in terms of optimism etc um i think it all culminates into this um i wouldn't say a balance it's more equalizer so uh, this is the way i look at things in terms of the way i see this is you've got to create an equalization so uh not um if we talk about balance in terms of energy balance it's uh, it's not about saying right i've i've had x um i've done x number of hours of work so i've got to do y number of hours of relaxing it doesn't work in that way so you could work eight hours of the day and sleep for two and still be quite productive and vice versa like me you could do two hours of work and sleep for eight hours and still be very happy um but what i also believe in 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 within energy leadership is um, understanding that you're going to have anabolic and catabolic energy within this. So like you said, there, that when you when you focus on areas that are out of your control, it de-energizes you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also catabolic states which break mm-hmm. down things, primarily around um, things like fear or resistance mm-hmm. or uh, argumentative or whatever those kind of areas are. Now, you need an element of catabolic to help you get into your anabolic stage so um energy leadership and managing your sort of energy it's it's not something where you've got a thermostat which is showing you where what level you're at it would be nice if you could have that really but Mm. but uh, you know you talk about this in in this kind of way where i know you're saying primarily you focus on the things that are within your control But there are always going to be things that are not in your control. How do you manage your energy leadership when you have those kind of areas? Do you mind kind of giving... Firstly, you're, you're correct, uh, Ketan. We will always have things that we can't control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we look back at the last year, for example, yes. uh, how many of us really like could have predicted that the world would have been in the state that it now is, where mm-hmm. none of us could travel entire industries have almost collapsed. Uh, we, we talk about the theater industry, the hospitality industry, and so on. Yeah. Uh, many people have gone out of business. Now, these are things that we can't control. Yeah. But at the same time, they will be thrust upon us. Uh, we will have to face them. But one thing I've learned when we speak about energy mm-hmm. is life isn't about what happens to you. you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, things thrown your way. Life really is about how you choose to respond to it Mm. Uh, because what we can often forget is that in our response lies our greatest power we can choose that response that is in our control the event itself isn't in our control you know externalities are always not going to be in our control for whatever reason but our choice in how we respond to it is now how do we go about doing that well first of all it's about taking a step back and raising our awareness on the event. Many of us are just immersed so much in the event that we react rather than take a moment to decide how best uh, to respond. So 
what I tend to do myself now and what I've done over the years to help me manage and navigate my way through challenges mm. is simply ask myself certain questions, questions that are more productive than just dwelling on the yeah. fact that the event has happened. Yes. So a very powerful question that I would throw out there that you could ask yourself, if you are going through something challenging right now in your life or your career is what is the lesson here? What is this trying to teach me? Because I promise you that in every event and experience, whether good or bad, there is always, always a lesson if you are humble enough to look for it. Mm. And this touches on the idea of remaining an eternal student. When you are always open to learning, when you are always open to learning from others, from books, from podcasts, from video, and so on, you will develop the insights and perspective to adapt regardless of what's going on around you. And that's what gives us more energy when we know we have the ability to overcome challenges. In fact, when we overcome a challenge, the greatest benefit is knowing we are the sort of person that can overcome a challenge. That gives us deeper feelings of resilience. And so once we understand that we have control, that we at any point have the ability to choose one thought over another, we literally bend our reality. We change and mold and sculpt our reality into what works best for us. We are, don't forget, we are both the sculpture and the sculptor. Fire, absolute fire. Obviously you guys are listening to this on a podcast, but um, believe me, I, I my head is nodding feverishly and I'm saying preach, brother, preach. But uh, you, you're absolutely right. Charles Swindoll says that, you know, it's 90% of, um, you know, what's happening to me and, you know, and the way that I respond to things. And Sundar Pichar once, you know, had that, um, the talk that he gave around the cockroach theory, which talks about how um, we react and, you know, in, 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 in more, more in cases about the disturbances to us. And that's what distracts us. So it's not traffic. The disturbance of the traffic it's how how traffic is disturbing me so it's kind of understanding that, and i love the way that you kind of just break it down into this whole thing of you know we are sculpted and the sculptor we are you know we have choices we, we you know it's not like you're forced in one particular way you always have a choice in 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 where you go and what you do uh i could talk to you about that for you know a whole episode but we're not going to do that today i've got so many things i want to get through basically so um you you talk uh, you know you're a business strategist as much as a life coach and i'm going to come to the life coach bit in a bit um let's let's put your business strategist hat on at the moment you know you're an advocate and an ambassador to helping people turn their passion into profit and i don't want people to who are listening to think oh here we go there comes the old strap line you know passion into profit uh, and to live their full potential because these are these three p's passion profit potential are over over overused overexerted in the market in my opinion it's a bit like everyone thinks they're an entrepreneur but actually they're just in business you know everyone has entrepreneurial spirit and skill they just don't you know they need to be able to sort of pick up from this i know that there are people out here listening to this either thinking about um their current circumstances and situations. Um, they're reflecting on what's happened, what they've lost during the pandemic, what they've gained during the pandemic. Um, 
And there are people that really want to change their lives, but feel that they're they're sort of uh, chained or shackled to, uh, or a slave to whatever it is that um, that they're currently uh, experiencing. Um, especially when it comes to a business, I think you know starting a business is an ex- exhilarating, exciting, and exhausting uh, experience. Too many e's there. Um, what advice would you give? to anyone who's out there that needs to hear this on, on, on the fact of, you know, if you're looking to make change, but you're you're trying to find particular answers that are not there, what what, what advice would you give to people like um, at that stage? Sure, the first thing I would say is that the change always begins first in the invisible world of your mind before it does in reality. You know, when we want to start a business, we think, well, what do I need to set up? What accounts do I need to create? How am I going to get clients? Yeah. All of these questions sort of come up, which are natural and obvious, of course, because otherwise, where do you make the money? Of course. Yeah. However, what we forget is that we first have to see ourselves there and see ourselves as that entrepreneur. Mm. Otherwise, the outside stuff is not really going to happen. Mm. Um, I'm going to share this from a personal experience because I was an employee like yourself, Katan, mm-hmm. uh, and I moved to the world of entrepreneurship. Now, an employee mindset is very different from an entrepreneur mindset. You can tell the difference. An employee mindset can think, well, I don't need to work as hard this week because, hey, I'm still going to get paid that monthly paycheck. I'm yeah. still going to get contributions to my pension. I still got, I still got all the great perks uh, from being an employee here. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, well, if you're not really working to build your business, where's the income going to come from? Mm. So you are challenged every single day to expand your comfort zone. You are faced with uncomfortable decisions. Uh, You have to be comfortable with uncomfortable, not once a month, not twice a month, but every single day, because you will get thrown a lot more challenges than when you are an employee. So that's the first thing that has to shift. You have to see yourself as an entrepreneur or a business owner. This is important because whatever book you read on habits, they will all come to the conclusion that in order to powerfully change and transform your habits, it begins with your identity. Unless you change your identity, you're not going to keep up with the habits. It's Mm. why pretty much all New Year's resolutions fail. We all have this big grand vision of all these amazing habits we're going to embrace, but we don't follow through with them. And that is because we haven't changed our identity. So, Take this for a moment. Let's say you are looking to eat healthier, work out more, which is a very popular goal for many of us at the beginning of a year. Mm. Imagine the choices and the habits you would make if from today you saw yourself as an athlete. I am an athlete. Now, next time you go to the supermarket or you decide what you're going to have for dinner, I guarantee you, if you believe that identity, if you truly deep down see yourself as an athlete, your choice is made. When you go to supermarket and you have to choose between junk food and the the fruit and veg section, you don't have to decide. It's made for you. When you go out and think, I'm going to get a takeaway from a restaurant, well, again, you know what food you're going to get because that choice is made for you. So start seeing yourself as the CEO of your brand, of your company, and ask yourself this question at the beginning of each day. What choices, what habits What decisions would I make if I was already the person I want to be tomorrow? Work from that place of identity, and I guarantee you, everything else will follow. 
Wow! 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 Ah, can I? Can I? I? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna snap that as a quote. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to put a trademark, Simon Alexander, on on that one. Basically, that 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 was just mind blowing. Just just yeah. Okay, let's flip it around the other way. You know, let's move away from the business strategist type of thing, which is there. I know there is a psychology that that we're talking about. But you're also a life coach. You also, you know, you've been talking about, you know, this is very much a personal development, yeah. personal growth mindset type of thing that you've just said. I mean, visualizing that, you know, if you are an athlete, yeah. believing that you're the, in the, in that state of athlete will um, ultimately adjust your perspective, create different behaviors, yeah. create different attitudes, and those things will also um uh, uh impact the your your actions which go on to deliver your results um but as a life coach we, you work with people on figuring out their life purpose mm. and their fulfillment so one of the things you talked about earlier on was fulfillment you know you 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 know how how do i fulfill the things how do i live a life of fulfillment and it's the age old question you know happiness and the pursuit of happiness um and you know i believe that happiness is a feeling not a state you shouldn't be chasing it it's something you should allow to come to you rather than you know we can't always be happy but mm. we can have uh, it's something you, you feel and when you're in that state of uh well not state sorry the feeling of happiness mm. you almost feel invincible everything is your intern your your energy is internalized on optimism you know everything you know so if it's raining so what i'm happy i can you know i can do something i'm going to go and dance in the rain there's a as they say or whatever it is trust me you don't want to dance in the rain in the uk <laughs> um but uh, one of the things um that i've always kind of uh capped on is something another simon said simon sinek um he talks about starting with your why how important do you believe it's in, in your opinion it, it is that people need to really have um an intimate or a clear relationship with their why. Uh, could you could you share some stuff there? Yeah, so with regards to your why, I think it's such a crucial component. Whether you are looking to improve in your life or in business, it's crucial. And here is the reason why. We touched on earlier that you will encounter setbacks, challenges, and failures. No doubt, whenever you embark on a new path, you are bound to experience these things. Mm. now for most of us we give up and go home when these things happen mm. and that's why very few people succeed in the endeavors that they want to accomplish yeah however when you have a why that has emotional intensity in it where you've got so many reasons why this must happen not should or need but must happen yeah you will find the fire you will find the wisdom you will find the resources to navigate through those days you will come out of it stronger this is what persistence is about yeah you know you mentioned uh, we talked about sport earlier yeah there's a great scene in uh, in one of the rocky films i'm a big fan of the rocky franchise mm -hmm. and there's a great scene in one of the rocky films in which sylvester stallone is talking to his son they had this argument it's, it's raining outside and before they depart stallone says to his son it is not about how hard you can hit in life. It is about how hard you can get hit and keep getting up again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And that is how winning is done. Mm -hmm. And you can only do that if you have reasons. 
if you have a deep, strong and compelling enough why. And this is why when I work with uh, clients from entrepreneurs to leaders to those in corporate, I always say, move your focus, move your energy from career virtues to legacy virtues. Mm. Two very different things. Mm. Career virtues are things such as money, status, titles. Legacy virtues are things such as impact, inspiration, story, mm. influence. These are all legacy virtues. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind of which you might want to focus on. When you pass from this world, which we all will at one point, what will people focus more on, do you think? Mm. The career virtues or the legacy virtues? Now, I'm pretty sure you know which one they will focus on. And here's the reason why. People in society do not follow titles and power. They follow courage. They follow the people who have the courage to live a life true to themselves, the courage to go out in the world, to speak their truth, and to embody the gifts that they were born to share with the world. That is what they follow. They follow people who demonstrate the courage to share their story with the world. And here we go. He drops the mic and walks off in such style. Wow. I've got a few more questions and I'm going to, I'm going to hold you here now. You are, you are captive to, to me now. So you can't go anywhere until I've asked these questions. Um, so one, I'm going to start off with one question that I ask every guest that comes on. Um, you've had an epic journey, um, highs, lows, um, extreme wins, extreme losses, um, things that you've learned about yourself and things about you've learned about your environment. You've learned, and uh, how magic can have an influence and impact. If you can go back to your 21-year-old self, um, that chap that was probably heading out to university um, and have a conversation, what would that conversation be like and what, what kind of things would you be telling Simon Ong, mm. 21? I think it's a great question, Ketan, because life teaches us so many lessons. You know, I often say the greatest education you will get is outside the four walls of a formal classroom. Mm. And so I'm now, as, as many of us are, in a fortunate position to have more wisdom than we did when we were 20 odd years old. And I think one of the lessons I would share with that version of myself would be simple. It would be, listen to that silent companion of yours. Pause, take time connect back to that innate wisdom. It won't always be right, but it will always lead you to where you need to be. Seek the truth from that silent companion inside of you. It would do you more help than seeking the validation from others. That would probably be something I would share, Katan. Fantastic. Now, I've read somewhere, I've heard, and we actually, you dropped it. Uh, you dropped the ball on this a little bit earlier. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to this now. You've got a book coming out, um, correct? 2022 releases. So 2022 is, yes, a scheduled uh, publication. I'm in the process. Uh, we're actually in the editing phase at the moment, uh, editing phase of the book, which is exciting. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on being a first-time author, which is exciting. Well, congratulations for that. But I'm going to twist your arm right now. Come on, <laughs> come on, give us spill, spill some beans. Give us some something. What's the taster? You know, give us a little taste for what's happening in that book. 
Great. So what I can share is, first of all, uh, I'm very privileged, humbled and grateful to be working with one of the, if not the biggest publishing house in the world, Penguin Random House. Yeah. Um, and fortunate enough to have interviewed some of their great authors uh, on their stable. Uh, what I can share is that it will be an extension of what we've spoken about today, Kata, Brilliant. Uh, about the importance of energy and its role in helping us live our best life so that it is one of fulfillment because something I would share in the book mm. is that success and fulfillment are not the same thing. They can easily mm. be mistaken to be the same thing, but they are not. You can be successful in something you hate. doesn't mean you're fulfilled. Mm. You know, I look, a lot of, I look at a lot of my friends in high-powered jobs. They look successful, big house, nice family, the car and what have you. But actually, deep inside, they're not fulfilled. Mm. So these are some of the things I will talk about. But do make sure to follow me on social media, because as soon as the press release is all out, the book <laughs> cover is there, it will be dropping across all my platforms. You hear it here first, guys. You've heard it here first. Make sure you go and follow him. All the social handles for um, for Simon are going to be in the, in the podcast uh, description details. So make sure you are... Uh, if you're listening to this and you can go and do it now while you're listening to this, you know, that's the one wonderful um, uh, thing about modern technology allows us to do multiple things at the same time. I am really excited to, to see what's coming out there and I'm not going to push you for any more than, than <laughs> that. My last question to you, sir, um, picture this. You're back on stage. I know you love the stage, just like me. You're you're back into speaking. You know, we the lockdowns are all finished, and we're we're back out stage. Huge keynote. You've got a massive audience. The energy in that room is electric, which which it wouldn't be any other any other thing if if you're on the stage. Basically, you've got all of a sudden this kind of sign goes up and says you've got two minutes left. Um, so normally it's where, where us keynotes start to wrap up and kind of get to our summary. But all of a sudden, this thing hits your, med, uh, your head and you say, there is a particular message I need to get at. I, I don't care if uh, I have to cut what I'm saying right now to, to, and transport to this one particular message. Mm. If you only had two minutes left and you are addressing this audience, what is that particular message going to be? Here we go, Katan. So a year ago, I became a parent for the first time. Mm. It was a surreal experience because it was a few days after the United Kingdom went into its first lockdown. So as a result, I was only allowed to be in the ward with my wife for one hour before partners were basically told to get out of the hospital to ensure a safe environment for mothers and their children. Now in that one hour, I had the opportunity to hold this child of mine in my arms to see her face crying at me. And it reminded me of something incredibly powerful that we forget too quickly. And that is, you are a miracle. We are a miracle. The fact that we are alive, the fact that we have been born into this world is literally a miracle. I was holding this miracle in my hands. You know, there was a talk I heard a few years ago that said the odds of us being born is one in over 400 trillion. Think about that for a moment. One in over 400 trillion. There are people in this country, in the world, who wish they would win the lottery one day, the jackpot, of their national or regional lottery. But what we forget is we have already won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life. Now, the question I want to leave you with 
is what are you going to do with that winning ticket? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Simon Alexander Ong. Thank you so much for joining us on The Business Distillery. Thank you so much for having me, Kesan.